Just like that, welcome back into the studio. It's Josh Carey here, but I got to say, I love that song. Thank you for those reaching out, asking about it. The title of that opening song is Sugar My. It's called Sugar My, and it's recorded by a fantastic artist. His name is Jan Close. You must look this up on YouTube and watch and listen to the official song in its entirety. It's called Sugar My. Go check that out. As you see, it really, really pumps me up and energizes me and gets me going. But today, what pumps me up even more is my co-host for today's episode. We're going to do something special today. Let me bring her right in. It's Rena Friedman Watts. You know her as the host of Better Call Daddy. Rena, thank you for joining the program today. I love that energy. I got to match it. That was amazing. Of course, you're not going to have a problem. So Hidden Nation, what we're going to do today is we're going to be playing in its entirety Rena's very first episode that she broadcast almost three years ago on her show, which again is called Better Call Daddy. Her guest is Evan Carmichael. Rena, tell me, because I'm so fascinated about this, tell me how and why you got Evan to be your first guest. This, I, lo- I love this story. Yeah, so I was listening to Ryan Holtz's podcast, and I heard Evan mention that he liked being podcaster's first guest. His whole mission is about serving others, and that's really his purpose, to bring other entrepreneurs up, and I love that. So I was like, ooh, even though I've, interviewed a bunch of other people, if I reach out to him and say, hey, I heard you on Ryan Holtz's podcast and that you like to be people's first, maybe he'll let me interview him and then I'll air him first. And he totally went for it. And now I've actually even introduced him to a couple other podcasters with that same line. And he's given them a shot as well. So what is the lesson there? Because I know that there is one. What is the lesson? The lesson is, is be yourself. And if you have a great idea, act on that intuition, baby. There's only one you. Every day is your birthday is the name of the episode. Celebrate the day like you're living it. Better call daddy. Um, I'm I'm a daddy. It's the role that I love the most. You know, I have my nine-year-old daughter, my seven-year-old son, Um, what is the relationship like with you and your daddy that got you to create this entire brand around it? And was that always the case? Ooh, that's a good question. So it wasn't always the case. You know, I was a teenage girl who at one point (laughs) rebellious. I actually have one of those just, just had a bat mitzvah and (laughs) your teenagers as much as they talk to you and and you have that open door policy and you try to be the cool parent. There are years where, you know, they give you some pushback. And I definitely spent some years apart. But I will say that my dad has always been a supporter, always cared, always given me the validation that I needed. I think the world needs that. And that is really the premise of the show is that The world needs more encouragers. The world needs more supporters, more care. 
And if you don't have that, you can adopt my dad. You can have self-love. You can have love from an aunt or another relative. And I hope that my show encourages people to reach out to a family member or a role model or someone to get encouragement from because we need that today. I love that he is he he's part of your show, right? Yeah. Every episode after you interview the guest, how does he play his part? What happens? Yeah, so my idea in the beginning really stemmed from working at the Jerry Springer show, truthfully. Jerry interviews a wide range of guests and he's very open-minded about it. He gives people from all walks of life the opportunity to share their story, which I love because I worked in casting. That's where I got my start. And my idea was instead of not having a happy ending at the end, my dad could weigh in with his wisdom and wit like Jerry Springer did with his final thought at the end of every episode because my dad is a total character. And so he kind of summarizes each episode and brings his intergenerational perspective, which I absolutely love. And a lot of times the guest will ask my dad a question and he'll answer it. And the first time they hear the answer is in the full edit. So he's on the interview with you or do you recap him at the end in post? We do it separate. So I did test it the other way. Actually, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'll just have him sit on the episode. But it worked better for me to interview the guest, edit it down to what it's going to be, send my dad the edited down version. And then he and I discuss the episode for the first time recorded. So that's the format. Does he work or is he retired? What what world is he in or was he in? So he ran a manufacturing company with his parents for 40 plus years. So I do love interviewing entrepreneurs because my grandparents were entrepreneurs. My dad's an entrepreneur. I've seen him reinvent himself many times wow. over. And there's nothing I can't ask my dad. How do I price my services? How do I collect the money when they're not paying? How do I take wow. multiple clients? How do I hire people? How do I respond to certain emails? He's always who I call. And so I, again, wanted to share those kinds of bits with my audience because these are common struggles. So, wow. he so he's not a broadcaster. Entrepreneurial. Yeah, he, entrepreneur. he doesn't come from podcasting. He is a total character, always wanted his own show, loves show business. His dad used to make lights, like lighting reflectors. So his dad did do the lights on Broadway. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. but... He comes from an entrepreneurial background. So you didn't have to twist his arm. I didn't have to twist his arm. He is quite the ham. You will for sure see that. He says some very funny things. What about the title? What kind of response have you gotten to the title? Better question. Has there been any pushback? Like, oh, come on, Rena. What are people saying? Yes, I will never forget Scott Miller. He has a very large leadership podcast. He worked for Franklin Covey. And I said, is there anything you want to ask my daddy? And he laughed so hard. He didn't really understand the title. He was like, I am not going there, you know, but he laughed and it was fun. It was playful. It was, you know, I could use it. Um, I did have someone on Podbean actually say, I would have listened to the show had she not used the word daddy. And, and pick the word father. And I was like, well, she obviously has a story. Maybe you should be a guest. That's when I responded. You know, it's fun. It's playful. And what does that mean? Where, 
What is what, what, what is this? She like like really? What is she talking about? What's wrong? What am I missing? What's wrong with the word daddy in this context? Right, right. Like if she would have dug a little deeper, she just would have realized my dad is always who I call. But she didn't like that I called him daddy. Maybe she had a sugar daddy or something like that. <laughs> Amazing. What are you working on now? Because I know one of your newest gigs is the weekend announcer over at cool.fm. K-E-W-L, cool.fm. What are you doing? It's so amazing because you and I actually talked because you are working with podcasters and growing a podcasting community around radio. And I was like, ooh, I never thought to do that. And then a month later, I saw on LinkedIn that they were looking for weekend announcers on this new startup station. And I was like, amazing. And I reached out to them. They were like, do you have an air check tape? I was like, from like 20 years ago when I worked for an NPR station in college. I was like, but better than that, I have... 300 episodes of a podcast I've put together and about 46 episodes that I've been on other people's show. Check this Spotify playlist out of shows I've been on. So I sent them that instead of an air check tape. And in the first hour he put up that ad, he got 136 responses, took down the ad. Again, it was being at the right place at the right time and having a portfolio that I had put together that somebody could check out and hear my voice. That's amazing, Rena. What I love about that is uh, so many people don't realize the power of just showing up, looking for opportunities, just keeping an open mind, an open ear, and open everything to see what's out there, to be so clear on who you are, what you want to do, what you can do, what you're good at. And I mean, I'm just sort of getting the chills because I know it happens that things just sort of come out of nowhere when you're in that frame of mind, right? Like, I'm sure when you saw that opportunity, you weren't looking for it, right? But you found it. And you planted the seed. You actually planted the seed. I, I'm telling you, I mean, I'm going to give you. you some praise there. And here's the message in that. Don't stop before the breakthrough. What is what? What more? What is that? What, what about that? Because so many people have these things that they want to do and they manifest it and they say it out loud and they start and then it gets hard or they don't find exactly the lightning strike. And then they're just like, ah, oh, that was just an idea. But like you planted something. I was like, oh, you know, I actually loved working in radio 20 years ago. Maybe I'll actually start looking for those opportunities. Maybe I'll find one that works. And here we are. And here we are. I found one. It just launched. And I'm so excited that I am actually getting to work on a new radio station where I'm getting mentorship. I'm learning how to announce music, which is a totally different art. I'm leaning into what I love doing. And you know what? I'm actually turning down other opportunities to make room for it. Rena, I'm so excited about this because just see, I, I, I know how passionate and excited you are and then taking that on and feeling it's just so good when we get to do things we want to do. Here's what I'm getting at. So often I'm guilty. I know we all go through these moments where you feel like you're just sort of stuck. You feel like I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do. I don't know what to do. I firmly believe that none of that is true. I think that it's a coping mechanism and you are controlling your fear. 
In other words, we know darn well what the next one step we should be doing to accomplish what we lay in bed fantasizing that, oh, I wish I could do that. Well, you can. You know what I'm talking about? We know what's possible. We know what should be doing. We're just scared out of our minds to do it. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I got on a call with like five or six other podcasters, a couple of them that are a little bit ahead of me, a couple of them that are just starting out. And it's really important to listen to the struggles of the people that are just starting out, see what they're discovering, and then listen to the people that have figured out a little bit more than you. And I am finding that in the podcasting space, I'm getting that mentorship that I've always been looking for in corporate America which was so hard to find. Mm. Tell me about the episode of yours we're going to hear. Better Call Daddy, episode one, Evan Carmichael. Every day is his birthday is the title of the episode. Uh, Set it up for us. Yeah, I got to know Evan on a personal level. Like, who are his mentors? Who does he look up to? What was he like as a little kid? How does he deal with other influencers? How does he deal with people in general, right? I mean, this guy's got millions of subscribers. He's worked with top names. He's constantly collaborating with people that everyone wants to collaborate with. What is that like? How does he behave in those situations? Well, there you go. We're going to play in its entirety. Episode one, Better Call Daddy with your host, Rena Friedman Watts. Check it out. Close my eyes and Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey. It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Hey, all right. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well. I just hit record so I could get a little, you know, good stuff before. Oh my God, I literally was up all of last night. I could not sleep. That's how excited I was about this. I'm so excited too. Let's go. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, so I've got your book here. And one question that jumped out. I saw you post on Instagram too. I appreciate that. Yeah. Are you happy? You said that a lot of other people aren't. And I agree with that. The people that are coming to me in, the, in my DMs mainly aren't. That's an interesting question. So I'm in a, this feels weird to say, I'm in a super happy spot and always trying to get better. I'm just coming out of every day right now feeling like, man, what a great day. Like what another great day. I think it's achievable for everybody. And, and it's also a constant pursuit. It's a constant drive to try to be happier because what makes you happy on whatever day today is in 2020 will shift a little bit next week and a week later and definitely next year you can't just be doing the same thing over and over and over again because then you won't be as happy anymore it's been a lot of work to get here and i think it's something that everybody i think think it's something everybody can achieve and i'm trying to help people shortcut that a lot faster you talk about a fake front. And I have seen a lot of that 
in the influencer space. And it bothers you? It does. <laughs> so I, you know, I have empathy, I guess. What I try to pull from is I want to take different things from different people. So if you're not happy and you're trying to tell people how to be happy, then that, you know, is a problem. You know, I look at my wall here and, and I've got Steve Jobs here and I've got AP Janini, who you probably don't know. And then like my parents and that's, I go back, like that's me when I'm eight or nine years old and, and my parents above me. And what I love doing is learning different things from different people. There's no one perfect person who's going to teach you how to be you, but there's different people you can learn different things from. For example, Steve Jobs is here because I want to be a, a visionary like Steve Jobs. I don't want to be a visionary like my dad because he's not one, but I want to be a father like my dad. I don't want to be a father like Steve Jobs because he wasn't a very good one, right? And so it's like, who, how do I become the best Evan Carmichael? I'm going to pull different pieces from different people who I respect and admire. And there's no one person that I'm taking everything from. Probably the biggest core comes from my parents who taught me how to be a human, but most of the, they taught me how to be a person. Most of the entrepreneur lessons don't come from them. It's come from all the people that I've, you know, siphoned information from. And looking at those influencers, I don't hate them as humans. I have empathy for where they're at. How can I learn from them the things that I want to learn from? How can you take their skill set of, of positioning themselves? Like they've done a good job of positioning themselves. How can you take that and do it in an authentic way and, and use those skill sets for, for positive? So anybody who's good at something, I just try to look at what kind of, what's the lesson I can learn from this person to make me better at the thing that I care most about. I love that. That's really positive. I want to know more about your parents. What was your okay. relationship like with them? I love that you want to be like your father as a father and you are a father. So tell yeah. me about that. So my parents are still around. I mean, they're not, it's not like they passed on. Just this picture growing up, I was never, we had high expectations, I guess, in my family. Education was valued a lot. I never did great. I had B's and C's growing up. So not, not bad, but my, I'm the middle child. I had two sisters I'm the only boy and they both crushed at school getting straight A's and I'm getting B's and C's. I always had to have the talk when I got my report card came in and go to my parents' bedroom and we talk about my report card and they would always set the expectations of, I wish I recorded the conversation because it's like it's so valuable, but how I felt at least coming out of it was there's always the expectations of I need to do better, but also that I can do better. And they would always tell me that I am Evan Castrilli Carmichael. I could do anything that I believe that I can. That's why they're on the wall. Cause that's that constant reminder that whatever, if I want to be the next Steve Jobs of business, I, I can, cause I'm Evan Castrilli Carmichael. I could do anything and I believe that I can. So they were really helpful and instrumental in my life just to instill that self-belief. My father is one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. Like it's impossible to hate my dad. He's just going to, you know, if he's doing a favor for you, he's going to thank you for letting him do the favor for you kind of, kind of people, <laughs> extremely humble. Uh, but also that, you know, even to an extreme where it can hurt him from him having the, you know, career success that he would be after. My mom is the, was very ambitious one doing all sorts of things that, you know, immigrant women were not supposed to do fighting family, family expectations and cultural stereotypes and all that to go off and and make her mark. And so my ambition and service to humanity side comes from her and the, you know, niceness, humility, I guess. Not that my mom isn't nice, but 
you know, that side from my dad. And I try to pull the both. I try to take the best of both of them to make me and remind me of what I need to go off and do. Who taught you how to ride a bike? Uh, wow. I don't know. Probably my dad. Uh, I don't remember. Not, not super formative, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my dad, but I don't remember. I mean, I know how to ride a bike, but I don't remember that as being uh, super formative. Was your mom someone who put you like in swim lessons? Did my mom put me in swim lessons? I did swim lessons. These are, these are interesting questions. I haven't thought about it. Uh, I did swim lessons. I think there was some, you know, my mom was very ambitious. And again, they're both still alive. So it's not like I'm talking about, I guess, talking about years ago. I'm 40 now. So this is, this is a while ago. Um, me too. You're 40? All right. High five to the 40 club. There <laughs> it is. Yep. It's a reflective year. Is it? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. No? Uh, no, I'm too like, I spend zero time looking backwards. It's all, I'm like 85% present, 15% future and 0% past. Interesting. Like, people said, oh, you're turning 40. What are you going to do? I don't know. It's just another day. Like that pressure. I try to put that pressure on myself daily. Like the fact that you would wait till January 1st or wait till you're 40 or wait till whatever to do the thing that you want to do. It's like just today I'm, I'm, I'm 40 today or I'm like 50 today. They're like, this is the start of the new year. Happy birthday. Like, let's go. So um, every day is your birthday, huh? Yeah, go, go make like to, to create the excuse to celebrate or the excuse to, to go live the life that you want should be, I think it's great to have it as a daily pressure, but it's the same thing. Like when I cross thresholds, like when I got a million subscribers on YouTube or 2 million subscribers on YouTube, my answer is like, what are you going to do to celebrate? I don't know, make more videos. I mean, get a million more. Let's go. Like, just keep building. Like this is talking to you is a celebration. Aw, I want to know why you said yes. To what? To you? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You must have said something. I heard you on Ryan Holtz's podcast. Okay. And on his podcast, you said that you like to be people's first interview. Okay. And I really liked that because I'm like, this guy's got over 2 million subscribers on YouTube. How is he so humble? Even though I've interviewed probably like 15 people, I haven't aired any of them. So I reached out to you and said, hey, you can be my first because okay. I'll air you first. Okay, great. So you know what? Also, what I was thinking about, I'm like, hey, how can, like, what clickbait would you come up with for this episode? Whatever the lesson is that you learned the most, whatever your biggest takeaway was from it, that's what you call it. I think people will subscribe and follow you because they like your style. They like your questions. They like the kinds of guests you bring on. And they're going to say, huh, here's somebody who there's something I want to learn from, from her. Like she's doing the work to go bring on these interesting people. I can load my phone. There'll be tons of requests to join people's shows. And, and today's a Thursday and I dedicate Thursday to it's, it's my public facing day. I'm naturally an introvert. So Thursday is extrovert hat on and it's basically all day until you know, nine o'clock going to be doing different kinds of public facing stuff. I just make a quick judgment call on people. So I don't overthink it. You said something that like, I like her. Okay. Yes. And then that person, uh, I don't know. I'm not feeling it next. You know, I don't know. Just there's something. One thing that has worked really well for me in my career is honestly one-liners. I have gotten jobs by saying, quirky things. For instance, 
I applied to this guy in the Producers Guild of America for over a year. He was a seasoned post-production producer, and I really wanted to work for him. And I tried everything. I mean, <laughs> you know, working with a resume coach and getting people in the Producers Guild to introduce me and all of the right channels. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say Bill Clinton's no longer looking for interns. This job sounds like fun. Turns out the guy was a huge Bill Clinton fan. He was like, can you come in tonight for an interview? So I went and met with him and he was like, can you start tonight? He didn't even look at my resume. He just was like, you know what? That was a great line. I also met with a guy who was the executive producer of The Real World and The Road Rules. He had a stack of resumes on his desk and he said, why should I hire you? I said, I can make a mute talk. He didn't even look at my resume whatsoever. There you and, go. So you pull, yeah. pull those one-liners and make, now you already know how to do the one-liners. So make that the title of the show. Like find something that out of this episode inspires a one-liner and then that's the name of your show. That's good. That's good. But you've so, already got the talent for it. But for, for being somebody's first, like I still, you know, the worst day of my life is when I quit on my business partner when I was 19. And my mission, I think your purpose comes from your pain. Whatever you struggled with the most is the thing you want to help other people through for the rest of your life. It's partly why I wrote Built to Serve. I still much more connect with the startup entrepreneur who's still trying to figure things out and turn this into a business than the person who's built a giant company, right? I mean, I just got off an IG Live with Brad Lee. I don't know if you know Brad, but- I was watching that. Oh my God. I was the one that asked him if he had any tattoos. That was oh, freaking okay. hysterical. That was so I mean, Brad, Brad is a successful multi-millionaire, tycoon entrepreneur like maybe hundreds of millions i don't know i don't know how big lightspeed is but giant entrepreneur and it was fun and no shade of brad i love it but i still <laughs> like my home is in the i love the startup entrepreneurs and just helping so that's totally me like recently i had somebody reach out to me oh my god people reach out to me for the craziest things and i'm like well haven't done that before but if they believe that i can let me try it right so i had a best-selling author reach out to me recently and she was like hey can you help me up level and get some better blurbs for my next book. Like she's written two best-selling books. She's got 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. I was like, well, hell, you've already built a community. You're pretty easy to market, right? She gave me a list of five people that she wanted to reach. I had contact information for one of the five. So I'm like, hell yeah. Cause if I get the one, then that's going to lead to others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and that's how you hack it. It's also why I love being people's first guests on their show because one, I can, I can talk about a lot of different things and I just like it. And so a lot of people do pay attention to the numbers and who have your other guests been. And I just love being a part of it. So that's one, but two, you can use this show to go get other people, like follow people who are following me on Instagram. Any of those people know who I am. My name means something to them. It may not mean something to most of the world, but it means something to the people who follow me. Any of those people could now be guests for your show to say, well, we had Evan Carmichael on. Do you want to come on and talk about X, Y, Z? If I can be like, if this 25 minutes together creates a platform for you, then go land 10 other guests that you really care about. Like I'm pumped that I was a tiny little part of the success of the show. I love that. I saw Mark Drager on your show and loved him. Okay. He answered a few of my questions. And so I interviewed him before I interviewed you actually. Yeah, my episode definitely has to go up before Mark Drager. <laughs> so Mark, Mark's one of my closest friends. I've known him for a decade plus. Um, so yes, that's, that's good. He's part of your first YouTube video. 
Yeah, he filmed my first, he's, he's got it. At the time, he had a video production company. Now he's expanded to the whole marketing agency. But uh, he came and filmed my first YouTube video on Walt Disney. And that video is still up on the channel. You can go back and watch it. I, I did. A, yeah, okay. I had a lot more hair and I'm in a suit and it's so fancy compared to what I make now. But yeah, so Mark, Mark's, a, Mark's a great guy. And then just leverage, like if anybody follows Mark that you want to learn from, now his name means something to people as well. And that's a lot of this game. A lot of people make a decision based off of who you've already had on the show. And so to say, well, I've had these people, if, the, if those names mean something, especially if somebody follows both me and Mark, any of those people are like, oh, you had Evan and Mark on? Oh man, I want to get on this show too. And then you just keep, one of my earlier mentors called it pulling sweaters. You keep pulling sweaters to get to the front of the line. So yeah, so I'm pumped. Like if I can do that and that helps somebody build their channel or their show, it's great. And then it's great to see the comeback, like to look at episode 100 and then go back and look at, oh man, look at how bad episode one was. That's so fun. That's great, <laughs> right? Your episode I, one though was not bad. My episode one of my, my YouTube channel? Yeah, you said it was, it was not. Uh, well, in comparison to what I'm doing now, it, it's, it's not great. Like for shows like this, if you kept going, episode 500, you're going to look back on episode one and say, that was super fun to do with Evan. But man, I suck compared to what I can do now, right? And I love being able to see, I love seeing the growth and I love being able to be a, a small part of that journey. So my first book was called Your One Word that came out three years before this one. And I DM'd a guy on Instagram called Book Thinkers. His name was Nick. And I made a video and said, hey, Nick, um, I love what you're doing. I've got a new book, Your One Word. I'd love to send it to you, get your thoughts. And I was the first author to ever reach out to him. And it kind of also validated what he was doing, like that authors would even care, but he had a smaller account at the time. Now, three years later, he's got, I don't know, 80,000 followers. Uh, he's, he's built the biggest network of nonfiction book accounts on Instagram. You know, when I launched Built to Serve, it's like, yeah, dude, give me a book, like copy, I'll, I'll promote it. I'll talk to you with a guy who helped start this whole thing. Why well, I even called it Book Thinkers Family and all this stuff. And it, it makes me happy, right? It's like, I don't even remember that three years ago, but I love that I was a part of it. And now he's gone off and done all this stuff. And if he uses my name or even just the energy or momentum to give him the push to build, a lot of people quit. Like a lot, a lot of times that's just the final thing that gets them to go one more day and not quit on what they were doing. Because my first video, that Disney video, had three comments in the first year. I put it up one year later, only three comments. And one was my mom, and one was my older sister, and one was some random dude who I'd never heard of before, right? So like in a year of something going up that you work so hard on, there's really only one comment from somebody who doesn't know you. So I, I still think back to those days and know, hey, if somebody came along and helped me out a little bit, now I didn't quit, but I thought about it and that might've been the push to help keep me going. So I just like being that little push for people. But you're also being endorsed by Gary Vee and Ed Milet and Grant Cardone and Tony Robbins. Who is nurturing those connections? Do you have your VA do it or do you feel deeply connected to those individuals? Some more than others. So I've been around doing YouTube now for 11 years and I've part of my mission has also become to try to help some of these thought leaders get more exposure. When I passed, I don't know if you know Eric Thomas, who's a, 
Okay, Eric Thomas is a YouTuber. When I passed Eric Thomas on YouTube, and even when I passed Tony Robbins on YouTube, I felt sad. If you know Tony Robbins. So like, look at Tony Robbins. Here's a guy who's got so much wisdom and so much ability to help people. And how is my channel bigger than his? And I, and I wanted it. I wanted, like, if I had half a million subscribers, he should have 5 million subscribers. I felt like he should be having a bigger impact because there's people who don't know who he is. And Jim Rohn, who was Tony Robbins' mentor, is one of the only people we haven't been able to do some kind of deal with. Uh, people don't know who he is. Like, you walk down the street, people don't know who Jim Rohn is. And that actually saddens me. So part of my mission that's, that has been evolving is helping these guys get content onto YouTube to reach this generation. And so I've helped all those guys. You know, they've all been on my channel, Gary and Tony and Grant and Tom and, you know, whoever. They've been on my, on my channel. I've given them a voice. And, and also I've given them some help with their YouTube channel to help build it and grow. So, you know, they were kind enough to give me endorsements and that kind of stuff. For nurturing, it's mostly me. Like the one, so what happens typically is like the one-to-one is me, right? So if I'm giving them advice or I'm asking for help on something and I'm, it's reaching out to them, it's me. If it's team that needs to talk to team, like Brad, who was just on the IG Live, right? Super successful entrepreneur. My team connected with his team and made the scheduling happen because they already know each other. But it was the first outreach. It'd be me messaging to say, hey, Brad, love to have you on, right? Um, so what I try to do, I'm generally not good at this stuff. I'm introverted and like don't like this and naturally don't have conversations with people or anything like that. So what I do is I create, I have a Evernote file where all of the kind of top people that I want to stay in touch with, I just keep track of their names and then what date I last reached out with something. And then at least every quarter, I try to make sure that I've touched base always with value. Like I suck with the, Hey, how's it going? I suck at that. All the group <laughs> chats, the amount of group chats that I'm in with these people and they're just sharing baby pictures. And it's like, man, I, their backyard. I don't know. I have zero need to share that stuff. So who I'm not, are you as a dad? Who am I as a dad? Yeah. I don't know. Like how has having a child changed you, changed your business, changed you as a leader? I don't know that it has that much, to be honest. I think, you know, when I'm with Hayden, the fun side definitely comes out. Like the creative side definitely comes out. I'm trying to encourage. I think of, I think of myself when I was his age and the, I wasn't doing well in school. And he does well in school, but trying not to shut down. Like my, vo my parents were a good voice of BU. Don't worry about expectations of your teachers. Um, I remember, for example, I had an art teacher gave me a failing grade or something on, on a picture where she asked me to draw a window. And so I drew a window and she was unhappy that I didn't put like dressings on the window and like pictures, the sunset or something. I just drew a window. And so my parents had to come in to, they want, she wanted to talk to my parents about how I failed at this assignment. And my mom said, well, you asked him to draw a window. He drew a window. <laughs> So it's like that kind of support. It's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I may have seen it differently or weird, but, but that's okay. That's what I try to, you know, try to instill into my son as well. And I take a version of whenever I put my son to bed or drop him off at school or like any of the, whenever we're saying goodbye, kind of it's our ritual is Carmichael's can do and he says anything. So I'll say Carmichael's can do and he says anything just to try to instill the confidence in himself to go off and do whatever he wants. 
he's probably not going to be an entrepreneur. I don't know. He might, he's got a more like he loves art and drawing and that pulls me into things that like, I suck at drawing. I suck at it really badly. And he's drawing these perfect. He's 11. Now, so he's drawing these eyeballs that are amazing. And like I, my eyeballs look like I'm the 11 year old. <laughs> so it's fun doing those things. Maybe uh, the eyeball could like be your first tattoo. Yeah. Right. No, I don't have any tattoos. It's a throwback to the IG live that I just, just on. I think it's, you decide how you show up and then that, that you carry that into, I carry how I want to be into my relationship as a father, as a husband, as an entrepreneur, as a interviewee on shows. And so every event, I guess, shapes you to some degree, but it's more, I decide how I want to show up as a human and then try to bring that to every experience that I have in my life. Thank you so much for your time. I want to be respectful of your time. This has been so much fun. Oh, well, well, happy episode one. Congrats on the show. Thank and you. Uh, I'm excited to see Better Call Daddy. Is that, is that the name of the show? Is that what you got? That's the name you? of the show. What I do is interview people of interest and then yeah. edit that episode, share it with my dad and get my dad's advice or my dad's nice. commentary on the show because my dad is my hero and who I want to be as a parent. Okay. And yeah, he ran a company for 40 years, managed 200 people, $10 million budget. Okay. His, okay. You know, helped people reintegrate into society after they've been arrested. So wow. he's somebody I want to be. And I feel and like he's a, got a lot of perspective. Episode? Yeah. That's filmed, right? Like, yeah. Oh, good. I like it. That's a cool tweak. You got a, you got a weird brain there. I like it. It's good. <laughs> no, but like lean in on that, right? Those crazy ideas, the crazy one-liners. The, yeah. It's awesome. Like that's how you're going to be unique and different and stand out. I love it. Nobody's got my daddy. <laughs> Nobody's got your, your wild mind either. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck with the show. All right. Have a good one. Cheers.